This is Probably Science, and I am Andy Wood. Thank you for your patience with us. I'm Jesse Case. Thank you for your patience with us. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I'm the groom, so, uh, you know, you guys have got to do what I say, I think. Or does that not count anymore? No, yes. Well, that's why we're currently we, we're lifting you in a chair right now. <laughs> you, you are. You're bouncing me around. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you to echo what Andy said. Thank you for sticking with us over, let's just say, about three to four weeks of disruptive disrupted output uh, absolutely well, well before that it was flawless i know it was every, flawless. every, yeah, we, every we, we tuesday 4 p.m every single Swiss timing yeah accuracy but yeah jesse uh uh jesse and i did an episode what it a week and a half ago it, it sort of went out we did manage to upload the patreon bit so sorry about it, that but that's it about was to like go out. way too close to your wedding i was like why it, are you doing this yeah what's, it was super what's... close to my wedding but i became very <laughs> aware that we hadn't yet done an episode we needed to do that and then uh, Andy was in the desert. I had so. all the intentions to do like put out some greatest hits, and then like just life, life gets in the way. You know, hey, why hey, am I giving excuses to our listeners? The the, the burner <laughs> lifestyle, it uh, it takes over. It Matt, was hard. So, it was a hard one. Uh, yes, yeah, so, uh, Matt's finally had sex. <laughs> yeah, well, I, we tried. Oh and... yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's always a bit. Uh, it always gets a bit tricky. Oh. Speaking of which, speaking of sex, uh, and I, of course, I've got to hear all about that. Have you, what, are you guys following this ch- chess scandal? No. What? Sex and chess? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this has been sent in by a couple of listeners. Oh, really? Okay, then we'll talk about it later. How, how's wedding stuff? How, we can how- talk about it now, anyway. This is... Is, is it true, though, or is it just someone sort of... Um... I think it's speculative. So for, first, let's, uh, we'll break it down. So the, the best chess player in the world... Is uh, and I think the best of all time, um, most likely, is Magnus Carlsen, and uh, but he loses sometimes, you know. But it's never a huge upset. He is like his sort of main rivals, and uh, in an early round of a chess tournament, he was kind of playing this guy that he should you know blow through to get to the next round, and he uh, he loses, right? Whoa, big deal! But then he quits the tournament, um, and posts this cryptic message, sort of implying that the. Uh, that this there's guy, been some shenanigans afoot. There's been some. There's been some shenanigans. There's been scandal, and um, what what the chess community has figured out, which I think says more about them than anything. Yeah, have they have they figured it out, or have they just sort of um, alleged or asserted this? I don't. I need more details. I think on it. Well, they've they've figured because what what was happening is most of the time when there's a chess tournament to prevent things like cheating. Uh, it's on a delay, a video delay. So you have two people playing, like, at a board, right? And then 15 minutes later, after their moves or something, uh, that goes out on, like, the tournament channel or whatever, however you're watching. Because the big fear is that if it's happening live, you could have a buddy you're in cahoots with sure. running it through a chess computer and, yeah. um, you know, doing that. And how would you do it, you ask? Anal beads, vibrating anal beads. Oh wait, this did cross my feed. This crossed my feed. For yeah. I guess because of my Google, you know, my um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's, it's, going for a, anything anal bead related. Andy's it's, it's, Andy's on it. Yeah, but I don't know if like because I feel like worst case scenario is that like you just had some anal beads up your ass 
is unrelated. Or best case scenario. Well, but would you cop to it? Would you be like, or would you just be like, yeah, I fucking cheated. You know what I mean? Instead of like, I play with anal beads up my asshole. Well, I don't know, because there was that judge who used no, to No like, shame for me. I don't give a shit. I just, I just don't know uh, the vibe of, of the player. The question is whether it's a plausible lie or not, I think, and whether the shame outweighs the... I, mean, I guess the question is, are you a liar? And then also, uh, would your lie even work? Because if you tried that lie and it didn't work, then it's like triply stupid. Because you could well, so, just claim that like, it you know, keeps, you, keeps you alert and awake at the, right. at the table, because cause that is like... That, that my understanding is in, in long like top level chess matches as much as it's a game of sort of intelligence and rationalization it's also a game of endurance like it's mental endurance it's t- it's like right. a long distance runner yeah. like you have to keep the level of focus and concentration to play at the top level for so long takes conditioning and and I almost like physical strength or physical physical in- uh, it's yeah it's like an ultra marathoner having someone deliver him a pizza while running to accept the other end of the elementary canal but yeah yeah so you're like you know just kind of keeps you keeps you going in every way mm-hmm. well i've never um attempted uh, any any of any anal bead vibrating anal bead situation in an endurance uh since uh, or uh, we don't have to get into my life. My point is, <laughs> I don't know if uh, if it would work for such a thing for uh, for an endurance like to keep you alert for hours on end. Or would you just get used to it? You know, I mean, would you just eventually it nor- becomes normalized uh, I, and you're then yeah. you're just hanging out with some anal beads in. I don't know. Also, are they like, is it a str- what I'm picturing is a string of beads but every one of them is a different chess piece and the one that vibrates is the one you should pick up and move right so then so you start with start with the pawn just just ease things up as you're getting this whole string of chess right. beads in right. yeah sure. like like what is what is the code that's a good question like how do you transmit well you would have like your i mean it's a grid right so so a a1 through what uh F eight, yeah, but you, you you would I think you'd want I think you'd want a more pared down code than that. Yeah. Because, H H, because if, yeah. if you're talking about like a code for every square, yeah, like if you're well, it would be the letter then Morse the number. Code. Yeah, so Morse then or yeah. no no like like H like like okay A three would just be one buzz and then three buzzes, right, and then the next. Oh, actually, you're right. That wouldn't be that yeah, hard. Yeah, it, it'd be the whole thing would have no more than eight vib- pulses in a. Um, like I think you could, it, you know, a single mo- a single move would be a string of four, four things. The longest of each of those being eight, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's telling but, you the first two coordinates and then the last two coordinates. So it's the worst case would be eight and a pause at eight. And a pause and eight and a pause. And right, eight. and you wouldn't necessarily have to even have that. both like the beginning and the end square because in certain cases there's only one place or yes. a couple of places that would make sense to move a piece. Right. Or also, well, and this was also the end, uh, you could give the end piece for it. Like if you say like, uh, right. like F three, and the only piece that we plausibly put on there is the queen, then you okay? Well, that clearly is telling me put the that's the line. Yeah. But uh, but at the same time, like. Uh, I think that's all that would be necessary, even if there were multiple options, because this is still a chess master, like to yeah, be yeah, yeah, to yeah, be yeah. in the tournament. You know, it, it's they're very good. It's just not not like the top fifty. We're giving we're giving this situation where you would uh, 
you'd have to do to have like a, a forest, go- you know, some kind of novice be able to do it. But like, yes, right. all you need is that you're choosing Cause, between. Because there two was the thing with moves. who wants to be a millionaire, where they with the coughing. Did that, did that make it to the U.S.? I think they did. Like, I, I think there was like a this. film about it, as, or a TV series about it, like a miniseries. Where with the coughing? Yeah, where where it turns out a a guy got caught cheating on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Okay. And the way they did it was they had he had an accomplice in the audience who coughed at certain moments, but it was pretty well. Like once you sort of know it's happening, and they had their suspicions early, it's yeah. pretty clear. Like he sort because of, he he's basically going like, I think it might be B, and then you hear like. <coughs> Uh, oh, right, but it could right. also be C. Uh, it's like right. <clears throat> uh, that sucks. Hmm. Uh, so wait, I'm looking at the Kotaku write up. Which one are you guys looking at for this story? Because I want to see how they. At, this is, I'm not looking at any of them right now. I, uh, let me see here. What, did the theory come out of thin air, or was it? I don't know. The... I don't okay. know. I've I see. I've always heard that with cheating, butt stuff doesn't matter. <laughs> It's a loophole. <laughs> yeah. yeah, even Jesus is okay with it. So, it's yeah, like... so I don't really see the issue here. Um, um, so, yeah, it's, it's purely a guess because somebody did better than they could have done. So, I'm sorry. Again, the, the grand champion lost, and the theory is the guy who beat him used yeah, this. Yeah, has the logic gone like, okay, he lost to the best player in the world. He was playing moves that were significantly more accurate than he should have been playing given his level of play. And uh, the only possible explanation for that is vibrating anal beads. Or was that like a middle step between those two points? Well, and but that is quite the leap. But then he, uh, I guess Magnus Carlsen, they did like a rematch. This is just like a day ago. And he resigned after like two moves. So maybe Carlsen, not the one who beat him. Right. So he resigned and lost. Um, yeah, it's it, so yeah. it's purely basically someone is saying this guy must be cheating. We don't know how. It must be some wireless communication, and it's fun to guess that wireless communication would be uh, vibrating anal beats. Yeah, like why can't it be a vibrating cock ring? Yeah. Oh, hey, oh so there's no evidence. This no is evidence. just pure that I'm, pure I'm, I'm speculation. I'm looking. I don't know. I just I, I, this is the first time hearing about it, and then I'm just doing some quick googling. This is the rigor that our listeners have come to know and love about our podcast. Uh, mm. Yeah, I don't know. I guess how do you search anal beads evidence? Uh, if uh, anyone that knows, is a weird weird one to Google. I forgot how this even came up. By the way, this was related to Matt's wedding. Oh, it's sort of sexual. Okay, that was the yeah. So no concrete evidence has yet been brought forward. Okay, so this is just a fun. Okay. Hypothetical. Why would there be concrete evidence? Yeah. <laughs> Should be silicone evidence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, but now that they've, now that they've imagine brought this... Being, imagine being that guy in the chess community. Must have been anal beads. And that's like your go-to. But, <laughs> it's your first thing, like, uh, okay. <laughs> but now that they've put this out there, it's a very doable thing for other kinds of cheating. So now that they've suggested it, I wonder if this is going to be a thing people do in other avenues where this could be useful. Yeah. You got to get cavity search now to enter a chess tournament. Like where it's else could you, you could, could you have used this in jeopardy? Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. I'm trying to think of whether there was ever a, um, 
Yeah, there's never yeah, like a... Yeah, but Je Jeopardy's a harder one to communicate, though. I think you really do have to go to Morse code at this point. Oh, yeah, what am I saying? Jeopardy would be... That's insane. No, It would um, only really be useful for Final Jeopardy, I think, where you've got 30 seconds to communicate it, because otherwise... Well, it would be... I, I mean, it would be useful just if you were... If you knew everything, but you really sucked at forming the question right, like a what is, who is, like... <laughs> just have a little code for how to start your answer, you know? Yeah, in fact, I feel really dumb for even suggesting it would be good for Jeopardy now that I think about the implementation of it. But, you know, anything else that is, like, picking between... I guess it would also have to be, I guess chess also has the benefit of very slow, right? You have tons of time to think about your move, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah so not many things are like that that could be cheated, I don't think. Right. Well, you could, you could probably, certain things you could probably communicate pretty quickly. I mean, there was the thing years ago with the roulette team. Remember the crew that cracked the roulette wheel and had the computers in their shoes? You don't mean... Blackjack? You mean roulette? Yeah, roulette. How do you crack roulette? It was, it was based on. Uh, let me get the exact. I, I'm going to look it up, but I, I think it was based on because there is a certain amount of time after the wheel is spinning, uh, bef where you can still place a bet before they say no more bets when it's spinning around, and mm. they worked out how to basically log where the ball was and make a reasonable guess of where to put the thing. And the thing about roulette or casino games in general, or at least many casino games, is the odds are against you, but in some cases by relatively slim margins. So right. if it's a tiny gain, it's a big gain if you just keep doing it. Exactly. 50, if, you're 50, on, if you're working on like a tight... Yeah, if you're working yeah. on something that when it's fair is stacked like 3 or 4% in favor of the house, and you can swing that by 6 or 7% in your favor... Then. Right, right, right. So you're just like betting. There, maybe you, you got it down to like a likely quadrant of the wheel, which already gives you a huge edge. So you just put money on Exa all the numbers exactly. that are uh, that quadrant. Interesting. Okay. Anal beads. All right, listeners, if you have uh, an idea for what we can cheat using anal beads, email probablyscience at gmail.com and mark your envelope anal beads. I guess both both things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Absolutely. So if anything, just draw two sort of icons. Draw a butt and then like a necklace, um, and mark your envelope that way with symbols. That would work too. Uh, oh, so yeah. yeah, I think we were congratulating Matt on his nuptials. We were. Here we go. But I'm just giving you a link, and we'll put it in the show notes as well. Of you can now visit the roulette computer shoe in a museum. Mm. Mm. I've oh I've I've been there. I've been to the Foot Museum. <laughs> uh, <laughs> pretty kinky stuff. I've checked it out. Um, oh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. It it's in the Heinz Nixdorf Museum in Paderborn. It's when the largest computer museum in the world. When was this done? Uh, about 10 years ago. Okay. No, 20, 15 years ago. Pretty clever. Pretty clever. So anyhow, I think we went down this road because of uh, sex jokes, but Matt, yes. your, your wedding was a blast. Thank you. We had fun. Thanks for having... Uh, it was my first time seeing Silent Disco at a wedding reception. That was pretty 
pretty fun. Uh, I wonder if that'll become a more prominent thing these days. We yeah, we 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 landed. Well, we've we've been to a couple and we enjoyed them in general. And then our venue had weird sound restrictions, so it ended up just being the most sensible thing to do. And and ended up being real. And also, just hadn't thought about some really useful practical things. Like I had my two little nieces there, and they can't normally be in dance like loud dance environments. But you could just give them the headphones and set it to the volume you want. Oh, there was okay. I didn't know there was volume control in the headphones because I was like, those kids are wearing the headphones. These are pretty loud. Mine was just probably at full volume. And I didn't. Yeah, know yours you was could. probably at full blast. There was there was a volume dial on there. <laughs> okay, mm. okay, but no, that was cool because there were three different channels. You could see everyone's colors change as everybody's like the consensus on what what the best song currently playing yep. is. Very fun, and my first time seeing um, hearing Hava Nagila through silent disco headphones. Yeah, also, lifetime first. Um, they did ask like which version, and we said like I think we should have been more specific because they definitely had a version that sounded like it was like a MIDI version and then just looped. <laughs> just, oh like, god! But uh, we should have maybe just given them a specific sort of seven minute track. But you know, it worked. Yeah, that was cool. I- I'm trying to think whether I- maybe I haven't been to a Jewish wedding. I don't think I'd seen the the chair dance thing before. But I- that's not specifically Jewish, right? Or is it? Yeah, I think it's. There, there may well be other cultures that do it, but th- I think that is pretty specifically Jewish. Okay. Do they also do it at bar mitzvahs? Because I'm trying to think of where else in culture I've seen. Uh... Yeah, I okay. think at bar mitzvahs they'll chuck the kid up on a. I'm a pretty chair. sure I'm remembering from 30 years ago now ah. that they chuck the kids up on a chair as well sometimes. Cool. Yeah, very fun times. Very. Uh, did you a... Did you practice like stomping on the glass? Or no, but I was. There, there was a bit of me that was worried that it would be embarrassing if I tried to stomp on a glass and it didn't break. <laughs> if like my foot just sprung off it, but well, did turns you? Out glasses are pretty easy to break. Did you use a real glass or was it symbolic? Was it like a, a light bulb? No, we used a. Uh, we just so we went. We bought a load of stuff from. There's a couple of thrift stores, like a like a jumbo like thrift store supermarket, pretty near to Holly's parents, that we got a load of stuff for the wedding from, including just. A bunch of mismatched uh, mini vases that were that we used for the centerpieces, and that like each of them were like one or two dollars. Uh, oh, good idea! Yeah, and we um, and in the glass section, there were just we just found a little mini. I think it's like a liqueur glass, just a, which again costs like a buck. And you it said just, you're bound for greatness, buddy. You don't know what you just you're going to get your moment. Yep. Yeah, you're gonna be you're gonna be smashed, but it'll be worth it. Now, what is the do, um, do we know the symbology there of breaking the glass? There are yeah. a bunch of different reasons for why, and I don't know what the original one is, but it's there's like five or six different reasons oh, okay. that have been established over the years, like like historical reasons and symbolic reasons. Like it, some of it's to do with like the permanence of the relationship. And the permanence of the sort of change of state, uh, it can also refer to the the destruction of the Jew- of the temple mm. in Jerusalem. Uh, I thought it was like because of that song, the roof is on fire. Like we don't need no water. Well, that's and, one. Of, that's one of it. And then yeah. you just yeah yeah yeah. That's it. And uh, mm. uh, but yeah, there's there's a bunch of different reasons. Ah. But yeah, glass did get smashed. There were, there were like a couple of nods to Judaism in the wedding, and then the rest was pretty secular. Yeah, I guess yeah, I shouldn't sure. say it was like, but those few things were were first for me. So I was like, oh, that's fun. Yeah, 
Very, very good times. Um, how was how was deserting, Andy? It was. Uh, yeah, I listened to you guys talking about it, and I forgot what <laughs> what questions were raised that I could answer. But uh, if you remember any of them, feel free to ask. It might be my last time. It was a very harsh weather one. Oh uh, no! <laughs> and there's just no way. There's so much work you do in prep, and of course, the one thing you can't control is that. And if this is a if this trend is going to continue, and if it just gets hotter every year, which I don't think it will, you know, every year, but like the trend right. will go that way. Yeah, like 105 in dust storms is just a brutal way to uh, be doing outside manual labor, like building a stage and things. So it's very. Well, I mean, is there a chance they would just move it? Like- I don't know why they couldn't just keep moving it back a week or two as the as the globe oh, you meant mo- you meant no move. i mean the location just just move oh it. oh uh well I, it's such a big i don't know they've talked about this for this is a long discussion but mm. i think it was picked initially because of how un uh desirable it was like no one's ever going to care that we're going to this shitty place in nevada so we can just keep doing it and it's blm land so you're allowed to do it and that land, which is really worthless, like they now want like, you know, some insane, I guess they could buy it, but it would now cost like $30 million or something. It's like, this was like shit land. And that's why right. they went there. I mean, I guess I could try out, there are regional ones that people say are pretty fun, but I think, you know, the real one is the real one. And that's the one that 80,000 people go to and they really go all out to build the things they're going to build. Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, I watched could. A, like flyovers and stuff. I mean, it looks amazing. It is amazing. It's just so hard, and that's part of the appeal is that you have to work for the fun. But like when the work so far outweighs, it's also I guess I I could spend a lot more money and do like the glamping version. But like once you jump to that level, th- then you're having to justify. Okay, I just spent what I could have done a trip around the world. What, on, what's a glamping know? version? Does I mean, just mean? getting an RV and stuff it instantly means you're spending thousands of dollars for a oh, week okay. or two, um, which, you know, it's still very fun. So maybe it's worth it. I just I'm not at that income level where I could feel like spending like four grand for a week or two in pretty harsh conditions is justifiable. I don't know. It's right. very fun. Like the shows were great. Like we put that's the part of the fun for me is like this camp we're at puts on this giant music show and people love it because it's not EDM. Um, so yeah, the, the fun stuff was very fun, but it was just, and then one of those three st- three shows, there was like a whiteout dust storm and the band kept playing. Like you couldn't even see the full stage from the audience because of the dust. So uh, yeah, you never know when stuff's going to turn super harsh. Man. So that's my Burning Man story. Wow. Um, yeah, but Go ahead, I, uh, no, I saw some pictures of uh, my friend Tracy went. She's a violin teacher. And so there were like bluegrass jams happening. And uh, I guess one of the camps, I saw a bunch of pictures of that. And I was like, oh, it looks cool. Because I, I just imagined, yeah, it was just a complete idiot, like EDM situation. I, yeah, um, at certain places at night, like there are definitely huge sound camps towards the edge of the city that have bl- super huge light and audio shows. But then... Also, it's a town of 80,000 people where everybody is trying to put on something of interest. So, right. yeah, there's probably five different bluegrass camps. Yeah. There's, yeah. you know, there, I, I, whenever I try to think of examples, like I just go to the same ones. But like, yeah, almost anything you can think of wanting to do. Yes, it's going to lean more towards bars. Like most camps are like, yeah, we have bacon and Bloody Marys or something like that. But then there will also be just, you know, some super nerdy 
dudes who want to play games of risk or something. And then there'll be right. some camp that's trying to like do like a matchmaker service over the course of the week or things like that. So it's just, yeah, whatever creativity you want to bring to it. Um, and yeah, if you hate EDM, you can still find fun stuff to do. And believe me, I do. I do hate EDM. Yeah. Very interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Should we get into some science? You think, yeah, guys? sure, sure. I'm the 24 minute down. mark. Yeah. <laughs> Let me see. I forgot. Yeah, how to do, should we do, do this? About this this story that Liam Kennedy sent in about crabs and renewable energy. Mm-mm. It's a Daily Beast story. So, some skepticism, let's just see. But, sure. Uh, well, I know that you... So, what do you do? Do you just hook up a... Uh, you hook up, like, a battery to your hand that's scratching scratching it, or what? Uh, yeah, that's, exa- that's exactly it. But, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's how it works. Uh, yep. Yep. Uh, <laughs> So the future of renewable energy may be this battery made from crab shells, says this Daily Beast story. Traditional lithium-ion batteries dominate the commercial market today, but they often contain components that aren't environmentally sustainable. And if you've ever owned a smartphone, you know that the rechargeable lithium-ion and lithium-polymer batteries that power their devices lose their capacity to store charge over time and have a low but worrisome risk of exploding. (laughs) Low but worrisome. Yeah. Well, I do know, you know, planes, they are quite careful about... They, they claim they, they will tell you you can't put certain batteries in the hold and things like that. Now, a team of engineers has designed biodegradable battery components made for it, made from, dash, wait for it, dash, crab shells, <laughs> exclamation. The, the new battery, outlined in a new paper published on Thursday in the journal Matter, uses zinc ions rather than lith- lithium, and the crab shell compound stabilizes the battery and improves its efficiency more than other zinc ion alternatives in development. The University of Maryland and University of Houston researchers who led the work hope their crabby battery can add an extra layer of sustainability to renewable energy sources and pave the way to a fully green energy infrastructure. Mm. So, materials engineer and study author uh, Lang Bing Hu says, Rechargeable aqueous zinc batteries have a strong potential to fulfill the needs of large-scale storage for renewable energies, for example, wind and solar. Uh, now that kinks have been worked out, he believes that the use of these batteries on a large scale is very promising. Zinc-based batteries have yet to be commercialized because of a well-known problem. Zinc ions will crash out of the water-based solution in the battery and form protrusions called dendrites that over time cause the battery to short. You don't have to tell me about it. We get, This is so well-known. It We've is well-known. all been it? talking about these dendrites. It's incredibly well-known. Low it's, these uh, many years. It's one of those things that, you know, we've all made that mistake. Yeah. Oh, remind, remind, after we've done this story, I want to talk to you about a mistake that we've all also made that was drawn to our attention uh, recently. So, Is it what, chess games and anal beads? No, it is not. It's okay. not. It's a, it's a, it, but it does, involve, it does involve activities and misunderstandings. I'll, okay. I'll tell you this. So existing solutions to prevent dendrites from forming end up reducing the battery's performance. Hugh and his team decided to test out whether... Uh, Cheetosan, which is an abundant compound that comes from the exoskeleton of crustaceans, could stabilize the zinc without massively impeding the battery. It clots blood, too. It does? Like a, yeah. It's yeah. like a coagulant. It's, it's just a, it's like the fiber on their shells. Oh, cool. Uh. So they designed this porous structure of ketosan and zinc, which outperformed existing zinc batteries and remain nearly 100% efficient after hundreds of charging cycles. Then the team buried the structures in soil. After just two months, they, out of they, anger. Yeah, just 
or to see if it would grow more batteries. Okay. After two months, there were clear signs of the zinc and cheetah sand decomposing, and the structure fully decomposed after five months. The lithium used in batteries requires immense amounts of water and energy to extract from mines or synthesize, and less than 40% of the materials that comprise batteries can be recycled, leading to most lithium-ion batteries ending up in landfills. He and his team hope their new development can lead to a battery that can be completely degraded or recycled so that renewable energy sources like solar and wind can produce power that doesn't require unsustainable processes to store. If the goal is to one day eliminate pollution, this battery is a step or scuttle in the right direction. Ah, uh, because crabs scuttle. Oh, mm. yeah. That'll be why they said that. Uh-huh. Is this a... Uh, so what What happens if, like, if you're allergic to shellfish? Can you handle the battery? Or what? Or if you're Jewish, you can't use the battery? Or is that a... Which, oh, yeah. Is that that's, a... That's true. Yeah. Thing? yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how that would work. Now, could there be some sort of imitation crab meat battery? Right. You know, uh, like the for for a California battery, yeah, Just yeah, <laughs> avocado and imitation. The California battery, battery absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. And all you have to do to recharge it is just drawn butter. That's all. <laughs> just pour some drawn butter over it. Full, so full charge. The, the efficiency is ninety nine point seven percent at. Uh, and it's above a thousand cycles at 50 milliamps. It's not that powerful. Wait, what's the usual? I mean, but like this probably changes based on the scale of the battery, right? I mean, you can make a bigger battery out of it or not? Well, the milliamps is the, uh, that's not like the voltage. That's just the, the flow, the current. Right, yeah. but I'm saying like. It, I so, Yeah, I guess you could alter if, it. If sure. you're measuring sure. the, the efficacy of a battery, wouldn't it have to be something to do with whatever unit you're using at, per you know, per volume or mass of the battery or something? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I suppose that's, uh, I suppose I just was like, that's a weak battery. Oh, okay. But yeah. then I mean, maybe know. it is for all I know. All no, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I actually, yeah, I, 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 I don't have anything to compare it to. I don't know the normal cycle, you know, uh, milli, milli amperage of, a, I don't either, but, but I do think this will be one of those like make or break things that for us to have some, giant leap in tech in the next few decades we're gonna have to figure out massive battery storage like that's if we don't that's gonna hold back every part of our progress like i was thinking about even even at burning man i was just like this is so much work goes into getting the power out here and no one would say it's a green event at all like so many generators and the generators are so difficult to work with and i'm just like let's i want to fast forward 20 years when we figured out large scale power storage or energy storage yeah because we are so far off yeah yeah so okay so so uh, um i completely agree uh so a a, a duracell double a is uh depending on the version whether you buy the rechargeable or just the copper top normal ones you get at the grocery store or whatever um, so those start, the rechargeables are 1,200 milliamps, and then it goes up to 5,000. And some of them go up to 15,000. Oh, no, that was the, I was looking at the D battery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so pretty high, you know. And you would need to, the real measure would be, would have to be a measure of energy, which would be, you know, power times time, right? I think, yeah, kilowatt hours, like what yes. you charge yeah, for. Yeah, yeah, and it, energy is... Is power times time, right? Like so which is current per times second. current times voltage times time. What do I know? 
Oh, I used I, to be an electrical engineer, know. but I forgot I, it all. I don't know. I mean, I don't know any of this stuff. Um, it's, uh, I mean, you know, don't eat it like all uh, batteries. Sure. You Stick know? to a diet of those tiny magnets. Those, mm-hmm. those are delicious. Yeah, tiny magnets. Also, button batteries, they're really good to eat. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. We've got a story sent in by Andrew Miller about the Perseverance. I don't know if you guys have been keeping tabs on our buddy up there on Mars. No, no, I haven't. The NASA's Perseverance rover is experiencing a long dry river delta on Mars, exploring rather, a long dry river delta on Mars, and it has seen signs that indicate that the region is full of organics, molecules containing carbon that are widely considered to be the building blocks of life. The rover has taken measurements and samples in an area called Skinner Ridge made of layered sedimentary rocks some of which contain materials that were most likely transported from hundreds of kilometers away by running water billions of years ago. With the samples we're now taking in this more sedimentary area, says Thomas Zerberchen during a press conference, uh, he's a NASA scientist lead, science lead, we are of course right at the heart of what we wanted to do to start with. The goal was to look at areas similar to those on Earth that harbor signs of ancient life. These sedimentary rocks contain complex organic molecules called aromatics, as well as clays and sulfate minerals, which can be produced when water interacts with rocks. While none of these materials are definite signs of life, known as biosignatures, they do mean we're looking in the right place. This is really important that this has sulfate in it and also clays, because this means that this rock has high potential for biosignature preservation, meaning that if there were biosignatures in this vicinity when the rock formed, this is precisely the type of material that would preserve that for us to study when the samples come back to Earth. Pr- so so we have to wait until they're back to Earth to really know if there's evidence. Yeah, and you, you ask it questions and see how it responds. Absolutely, yeah, show it some pictures. What if we find essential oils on Mars? Can we get a, <laughs> can we get a goop take on Mars? Yeah. What if we get aromatics. Yeah. I just love, it just sounds so... I know that's a real term, but it just sounds Which so new Which genitalia age. healing candles are there? Right. Oh, man. I mean, that would be the ultimate Gwyneth flex, is to make a, a vaginal stone out of um, whenever we get the first samples of any rocks returned from Mars. What's a vaginal stone? Wasn't she making jade eggs that you're supposed to put in your oh, vaginal canal? I didn't, I didn't know about yes. that. Yeah, it was, it was uh, inc- invoking the ire of our, our past guest, Jen Gunter, who was sort of her... She's very, yeah, very, but what oh. does she know? Being a OBGYN <laughs> for many years, okay, standing I, and experience. I just googled this, and it's uh, it's like it says uh, vaginal stones are a pathologic calcification disease. Oh no 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 sorry not uh, yeah there's probably something like that. <laughs> they, they would just call them <laughs> Google jade eggs goop. Okay, yeah, Googling vaginal stones, is that's... It's a different... Okay. It's way different imagery. <laughs> right. Jeez, oh, is man. Is that one of those all-female cover bands? I'm looking at some <laughs> of these. Wow, they look like... Uh, well, you guys ever see stone babies? Wait, what, you looking at jade eggs or vaginal stones? Vaginal stones. Oh, no, stop then. <laughs> okay, all right, yeah, jade egg. All right, fine. Uh, jade egg. Let's check this out. Oh, yeah, it's like a Kegel thing. I guess. Oh, is it purely okay? Well, then why would the material matter if it's just about strengthening muscle? I thought well, it was. Well, there's like no way it's real jade anyway. Magical. There's crystal. fucking no way. That's too expensive. Yeah, that'd be an insane amount of jade, and it's like eight, eighteen bucks or something. Oh, okay. No, yeah, that's not possible. Yeah. Be, can you just uh, call something jade if it's? Is jade also just a color? So you can just call it jade if it's that color. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. No, that'd be a uh, uh, so expensive. 
Hmm. Okay. Oh, it's called a yoni egg. Okay, which is Sanskrit for vagina or something. Oh wait, hang on a second. No, the cost of jade is wildly varied depending on its quality. So oh. the the cost of it varies wildly according to this article from some jeweler's website. So I'm just going to assume mm-hmm. they're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, from three dollars three dollars per carat to thousands per carat. Okay, and I guess this is the really cheap jade. This is nephrite jade. Because I'm looking right. on the Goop website. It's almost black. And then it, it says, eggs are pre-drilled for string add-on. We recommend using unwaxed dental floss. Uh, step one, wash your egg with soap and water. Sure. A- after, place it in hot, i.e. recently boiled water for about... Okay, so you're going to want to read the rest of the sentence first. Um, <laughs> for about 10 minutes, let it cool. Step two, gently insert the egg into your vagina like you would a tampon, the slightly larger side of the egg first. Work your pelvic floor and feel the connection with your body by squeezing and releasing the egg. You might begin with a 10 to 15 minute session if comfortable. Build up a practice if it brings uh, joy and well-being to you. Until next time, clean your egg after use and before using again, keep it in or on a space that is sacred to you or has good vibes. (laughs) Fucking Jesus. So so Goop is doing sex toy stuff now because at the bottom it has a bunch of vibrators and G-spot stuff and all kinds of stuff. I didn't know. Yeah, I think if you just sort of like couch it in some uh, wellness, you don't have to just say it's horny. Right. Ugh, brutal. Um, Brutal. Although reading the article is pretty hot, but not as hot as the sun, you guys. (laughs) Did you know that uh, Korea, South Korea, has a um, a fusion reactor that they're trying to use uh, for you know, fusion. And um, it ha- it ran seven times hotter than the sun for almost 30 seconds, which is big Whoa. news. Yeah. Um, Korea's artificial sun reactor has made headlines this week by officially sustaining plasma at a temperature of 100 million degrees Celsius for more than 20 seconds. The team at the Korea Superconducting Tokamak Advanced Research, or K-STAR, device reached an ion temperature of above 100 million uh, that's that's 180 million degrees Fahrenheit. Um, I you know, and if it's above like 160 Fahrenheit, I won't even go outside. I'm staying in. Yeah. Yep. Um, that's like. According, you, know, you get used to it if you yeah, live somewhere like. Yeah. If it's a dry heat. Yeah. It's a dry. It's a dry heat. Uh, according to new scientists, the reaction was only stopped after 30 seconds because of hardware limitations. K-Star uses magnetic fields to generate and stabilize ultra-hot plasma with the ultimate aim of making nuclear fusion power a reality. Um, It shows some footage. You can see the footage below showing the reactor run over 24 seconds and achieving a temperature of more than 10 to the 8th Kelvin, which is more or less equivalent to 100 million degrees Celsius. Damn. Um, By the way, why do they have to point out that uh, they only stopped it because of hardware limitations? Like, well, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> what, what other kinds of limitations would you come like, up against? I mean, software limitations, uh, or just, you know, they had to get lunch. The right, bell went. It's like they're trying to make sure you don't know it wasn't that they didn't want. <laughs> yeah, they would have had to have paid overtime to the scientists because they hit. Yeah. Hit, they'd maxed out their hours. Yeah, it's union. Um, <laughs> so, the oh, in 2021, the Chinese Academy of Sciences fusion machine reached 120 million degrees Celsius. Nice uh, try. And clung onto it for 101 seconds. 
Oh wait, that's more. It's that's Celsius. more. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Uh, but before this, the threshold of 100 million degrees hadn't been breached for more than 10 seconds. Um, the technologies required for long operations of 100 million degree plasma are the key to the realization of fusion energy, said nuclear physicist Si Wu Yun. Sorry. Si Wu Yoon, uh, director at the K-Star Research Center at the Korea Institute of Fusion Energy. The K-Star's success is maintaining the high temperature plasma for 20 seconds uh, will be an important turning point in the race for securing the technologies for the long high performance plasma operation, a critical component of a commercial nuclear fusion reactor in the future. Hmm. By 2025, the engineers at K-Star want to have exceeded the 100 million degree mark for a period of 300 seconds. So well, that's keep extending their uh, duration. Yeah. I think there should be some kind of prize to whoever is the current. I think there should be like an NFT of Paris Hilton saying that's hot. And it, it, the ownership gets transferred to whoever has currently created the hottest thing ever. For the longest amount of time. I guess it's a combination of spike and duration, but like the that's hot gif NFT will change hands every time right. somebody is the hottest. But it's still, I mean, yeah. Cause that, I've, that, 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 that price should go to Drake's parents. Did <laughs> <laughs> you get it? Yes. Yeah. See? <laughs> sure. So until someone beats them. Yeah. Facts yeah. Facts. I mean, I've been not that hot for 36 years. So this is crazy. A hundred million for a hundred. I'd trade. I'd trade up, you know? Yeah. Live fast. Die young. <laughs> yeah. Leave a sexy plasma. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Good, good work. Hot scientists. That's what they're called, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I figured. Uh, you guys, this is not related to any of these stories, but I, I can't not talk to anybody who will listen to me the last week about this thing I just discovered. Okay. It sounds like it's set up for an ad. It's not. Did you guys know that the Catch Me If You Can guy is completely full of shit? Uh, Frank Abagnale? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you heard about this? Uh, <laughs> no. This no, is... so, so the famous con man wasn't, was double conning because he wasn't actually doing cons? Yeah, the real con is he made us all think he was a con man. Like, he, <laughs> he never... He never did any of this shit. Like, there's a podcast called Pretend right now about imposters, and the current season, there's six episodes into it, is about Frank Abagnale. And I guess people have known this for fucking decades, and just everyone loved the story too much to ever be like, no, like he was in jail from the age of 16 to 21, which is the entire time frame when he said he was going around the world, say, pretending to be a pilot and doctor and lawyer. And also, like, the choice of professions, it's just he opened a Richard Scarry book, which is like, what are adults? What are jobs? Uh, like it's just one step away from village people uh, <laughs> it's it's insane so he was just he was a con man but he, would ju- he was just swindling like individual people and uh he might have passed a total of like fifteen hundred dollars worth of bad checks but he said it was 2.5 million and he said the fbi was chasing him for two years he's on the most wanted list like no he wasn't even on their radar as soon as they wanted to catch him they got him like two days later like they didn't even know or care who he was because he wasn't doing anything that big uh yeah the podcast is great and wow once once you get deep into it, you realize like, oh yeah, everybody is invested in the idea of this. Like everyone loves the story. He's talking to the FBI agent who arrested him and he can't get that guy to admit that the guy that, because also Frank has said he's worked for the FBI for the last 40 years. Like right. he, the FBI recruited him out of prison, said you're too good. We need you to teach our agents. Like he's never worked for the FBI. He's occasionally done some like 
if pro bono like guest speak speeches to some FBI meetings, but um, yeah, even the agent who arrested him, the, the guy interviews him on the podcast and he won't even say, he'll just be like, well, I'm not going to speculate on, th-. it's like, you know that you guys weren't searching for him for a long time. You know he didn't work for the FBI. It's it's a great podcast. It's called Pretend. Wow. Free plug to that. But like, I'm very much looking forward to, I'm sure a year from now, there will be a mini series about this. Because the meta story, it's kind of cooler that he convinced all of us of this than right. it is that he convinced a few dozen people he was a pilot or whatever. Yeah. We'll yeah, have to he, change uh, Catch Me If You Can, the tagline to Based on a Story. It's just based on a story. It's based on a story. And like he said, he did things like in the movie, he escapes from Tom Hanks through a, a toilet on the airplane. Right. Which like even when I saw the movie, I was like, wait, what? I've seen airplane toilets. And I guess he had to change that story once somebody who worked in avionics was like, that's literally impossible. And then he's like, oh, no, no, no. I never said that. I said I just hung out in the galley and then I walked out the door when they, no, it's a big difference to go down an airplane toilet. It's like. It's like a story a child makes up. Yeah. Anyway, this has been my Frank Abagnale rant, but it's it's like one of those things that's so, it's so big. I don't know. Does it wow you guys? To, maybe it's just me, but like the fact that for 40 years we've all bought into this thing that p- lots of people in his life have known was complete bullshit. Well, I mean, I've always, I, I've always taken like, he was obviously um, <clears throat> just the story itself involves him being a pathological liar. So I've just taken a lot of it with a grain of salt. And maybe, I forgot, oh, I'm bearing the lead here. Maybe also a sex criminal. Because also when he got out of prison, the jobs he took were like driving a bus for a a summer camp for kids and then eventually working in an orphanage. And then he said he was working undercover in an orphanage. I don't know what kind of undercover operation you need to do. But yeah, everything was based on trying to trick women into sleeping with him. And then even in like the Tonight Show (laughs) interview with Carson that kind of blew him up, he tells a story about what he calls a hooker and basically swindles her by giving her a cashier's check that she that's for too much of money and then she gives him back cash and he goes so we both got screwed that night and then it turns out that's just like a street joke that like traveling salesmen tell like he's just a complete idiot and a cat right. and maybe also that's creep. just that that is a very old scam that like yeah that's that still happens today that now that's the craigslist scam that's how that yeah, it's the wire fraud scam right right but like the guy you just then you watch interviews with him knowing all this like oh wait this is like one of the creepiest dudes alive Hmm. so anyway check out the podcast pretend if you want your mind further blown because it's it's also perfect thing for this like post-truth era that we're in when we're all wondering like we're all like rethinking epistemology in general like how do we know you know once steven spielberg puts his stamp on something you're probably like i can i guess i can probably uh know that he did some diligence on this i don't have to go look for prison records like well no you you can't trust that like what can you trust it's just fascinating i don't know uh, maybe it doesn't grab you guys as much as it does me but like i just love it i also because i was a little bit when the movie came out i was a little like mad at him because i was kind of like jealous that i didn't get to be alive in this pre-internet time when you could do things like this and it turns out there was never a time you could do these things (laughs) right right i've i've thought about that a lot (laughs) Um, how that movie made me think it used to be so easy. But then I also thought about how, like, you know, all of the things in hindsight are going to be, you know, 50 years from now, 
people will have the same thoughts about our time now. They're like, well, why don't you just hack into the mainframe of Bank of America? Why don't <laughs> right, you just, right. what, I mean, are you kidding me? Why don't you just code into the ATM and get all yeah. the... Do you know how easy it would have been to rob a bank before they had like, you know... Laser dogs? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> and they DNA just, verification? They, yeah, they would just push a button and then the cops would be there like three minutes later. Like, what? what? Why wouldn't you just rob a bank every day? Yeah, you had three whole minutes? <laughs> yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I remember watching uh, Catch Me If You Can, that movie, and when he was making a fake check, this is the f- the fake character in the film. Yeah. Uh, even then, I was like, this is embellished. Like, they made this up for the fucking movie. Like, when he uh, he made a check by taking decals off of Pan Am models right and putting them on a check and i'm like well that no one would ever cuz and the way they got away with it in the movie is that he was so hot and charming that he would just flirt with the bank teller <laughs> he's so not yeah. you, you know what i mean um and uh she's like what so what would you like to do and he's like i'd like to i remember uh leo's line in the movie he goes i'd like to cash this check and uh then i'd like to buy you a steak dinner <laughs> and she's she's like mm and then just gives him all this money and it's yeah. like this is all Horse no, shit, they, you know? Yeah, they, they talked to a flight, a flight attendant who dated him because he did pose as a pilot. He never flew or anything, but, like, you know, he bought a uniform and then <laughs> he, passed, he passed, like, $1,500 in bad checks. Um, but, yeah, he was trying to tell people he was a TWA flight attendant or pilot, and this flight attendant um, started dating him, and she's interviewed in the podcast. And, I mean, I guess it doesn't look great that she also admits, like, he was creepy and not attractive but like it was a pretty high status thing to date a TWA pilot and maybe marry one so like she she brought him home to meet her family because she by her own admission knew that she was a bad judge of character and he seemed off so she wanted her parents to like (laughs) vouch to see if he was and he ended up like taking a bunch of money from her and from her parents and in every interview he's always said he never stole from the little people it was always company he's like no you exclusively stole from the little people and never repaid them yeah the whole thing is it's just great wow wow yeah i mean like even the story he just told us that he told on carson is him just ripping off a sex worker yeah if it's true but then it probably isn't true (laughs) yeah just the ultimate creep it's so great and then i guess his whole life now he gets like thirty thousand dollars for speaking engagements and he won't talk about his past so he just talks about cybersecurity and just like cites pay- studies that aren't his. He just like does some Googling on cybersecurity and then talks about that. But imagine paying 30 grand and then you don't even get like a story about escaping through a plane toilet. You're just seeing him like put up a PowerPoint. He got off the internet about cybersecurity. <laughs> hmm. Anyway, this is not science, but it's been on the top of my mind for like no, the last week straight. That's, that's valid. Oh, he claimed to have worked as an assistant state attorney general. Yep. He said he never went to law school, but he passed the bar in his second attempt, which was also impossible because he said he did it like six weeks after the first one, and they only give the bar every like six months or every year or something. So like all the details he got wrong also. And he said he got the idea to be an attorney because he met the daughter of the state attorney general in Georgia who said we're short on attorneys. Um, so then the podcaster looked up who that attorney general was. He only had one daughter. He got her on the podcast and she was like, I'd never met the guy. And he said, I was blonde. I'm a brunette. Like none of, everything is complete bullshit. So he's a fraud fraud, which maybe is more impressive than just being a fraud, but it's just 
it's crazy that he hasn't had his comeuppance and it's taken 50 years. Yeah, it sounds it's from what I'm reading here. It sounds like he only he he never really defrauded companies. It says here it, his arrest in France was because he stole an automobile and defrauded two local families. Yeah. He's just a, he's just a petty, shitty criminal. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, wow. Anyway, yeah, I'm very... What excites me also is, like, it's the podcast is new, so it's just going to be one of those... I'm guessing it's going to be one of those sort of, you know, serial-type things or Tiger King kind of shared moments when everyone's like, what the fuck? Yeah. We'll see if that bears out, but um, what can you trust? If you can't trust DiCaprio... I know, right? Next thing you're going to tell me, Jordan Belfort uh, didn't do Quaaludes. Mm-hmm. Who's Jordan Belfort? The Wolf of Wall Street. Oh. Quaaludes I, just disappeared, right? We've talked about this before, I'm sure. Uh, well, there's a Vice of uh, Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia episode about the current Quaalude market, which is a very specific one between Eastern Africa and... China, where like this one area of Eastern Africa, there are people who are hooked on smoking quaaludes. And oh, I thought they just changed names. I just assumed it was still around. No, it's not made anywhere. Oh, wow. Get, except China makes it to sell to East Africa. I think it's East Africa. This one area where poachers will then repay them with uh, poached, I want to say abalone or some kind of thing that they scuba dive for at night illegally and send over to China um, that's, you know, probably they think it's an aphrodisiac or something enough that they will keep pharmacies making quaaludes to ship back. It's a fascinating episode of like Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia, that vice show about drugs. And he goes and visits the dudes who are poaching at night and then smoking it. Like one of the guys is standing up, smokes it out of, you break off the neck of a glass bottle and put like a cardboard filter in it. And then the guy smokes it, instantly loses consciousness, face plants, knocks out all his teeth on the concrete. It's fucking brutal. <laughs> but yeah, as far as that show Can says, we get some? Sounds good. I know. Right? Yeah, I mean, that sounds like if you do it uh, safely, it sounds amazing. What, <laughs> yeah. what is this? Yeah, as long as you like stand like like you facing sit, at pillows. Sit down. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Why is that off the air? Or why do they quit? What, um, and, let me see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to link to this because it sounds like this is weird. It sounds like I'm making it up. Uh, so I'm going to link to it. People can watch the... Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia Quaaludes. Hopefully it's still online somewhere. Oh, man. These common street names are great. Disco Biscuits. Uh, that's what they called them. Lemming 714. Lemons. <laughs> Vitamin Q. Wagon Wheels. Wagon Wheels. Quack. Wow. Um, the active ingredient... Methaquilone is an anxiolytic, lowers anxiety, and a sedative hypnotic drug that leads to a state of drowsiness. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like the perfect drug for me. I don't, I don't, uh, <laughs> we gotta, what, what do I have to poach? What's it called? <laughs> Where do I go? <laughs> Let me see if it's just abalone or not. One second. Uh, it's, oh, sorry, it's South Africa, and... The poached, oh, yeah, disco biscuit. Um, so it's the brand name now over is Mandrax, and 
I can't, this, I can't find quickly what it is that they are sending back to China in exchange, but uh, yeah, it's a crazy episode if you want to watch it. Mandrax definitely feels like some sort of like cartoon villain. Yeah. Definitely. They have to make everything great illegal. You know? Bullshit. It, like, it, I, I don't like that people had better drugs at one point. I know other drugs have gotten better. I, I get that, you know? But I'm just, it's like I'm always reading about some weird drug, like, um, like oh, you know, back when we used to take boot scoots or whatever. Right, right. And, and like, it was legal. You could go and get them at the pharmacy over the counter. And then you read about it, and it just sounds, like, amazing. And then and then you read, like, and then the FDA banned it because it led to jazz music or something. Right. And then you're just like, yeah. what, the, what the fuck, man? And then it, it, because of that, it got replaced by another drug that has almost the same effect, but not as good, and it gives you Parkinson's. Right. Well, it, say, it just, says here this is basically the same as benzos, only benzos just have less euphoria. And it's like, well, let people be euphoric during it. I mean, right? I don't know. I guess, yeah. I mean, I wonder the same thing about, you know, first of all, was the Coca-Cola thing, is that just rumor that there ever was cocaine? I think, there was, I think it was Coca, yeah. If there were times 100 years ago when there were all these people just like, you know, white collar professionals who would end their day with some heroin or something like was that just a safer heroin or how come people were i don't know i i just i like if something how do i explain it uh if something is very very dangerous i completely understand illegal get it out of here if something is very very dangerous you know if it's uh, killing a lot of folks um, it's if it's really easy to, to mess up, but to make something illegal just because of its potential for abuse, f- fuck off. Like, let me, you know, what do you mean? It's potential for abuse. Like, let me try it and it'll be fun. Right. Right. Does that make sense? Like, it's yeah. like, it's like, you're basically saying it's too awesome. It's like, well, is it particularly, da- is this very dangerous? No, it's just you know? too awesome. Yeah. 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 No, it's too awesome. It's too fun. You can't and have, I've- you can't have that. So I found a text excerpt of the Hamilton's pharmacopoeia thing, which I think is behind a cable paywall. It says, the Chinese value South Africa's abalone, considered a delicacy and status symbol in China, as much as South Africans value Chinese N-acetylanthronilic acid. So with each buyer possessing a commodity that's inexpensive in their respective countries, a mutually beneficial barter system emerges. Hmm. So if you get some abalone, you can get some quaaludes. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to get out there. I'm gonna now. I gotta learn how to dive. Brutal. Yeah. Brutal. No, I just. I just mean that. Uh, I sounded like I went on some horrible libertarian rant there. What? I, <laughs> that's not. Not what I'm about at all. I guess. I guess what I mean is the. Um, the things that are uh, legal have horrible abuse, like lead to abuse. Horrible abuse. Yeah, it, you're right. Should the principle, that's, the that's guiding principle, mean. you'd think would be harm based and not pleasure denying based. Yes, not like anything yes. fun is inherently suspect if it's fun, but like harmful things should be right. Because if we're using the on. if we're using the risk of abuse, we have some insane legal things. I mean, yeah, there's, you know, you know what I'm saying? Go back to, yeah. Go, always go back to alcohol and tobacco with that and just be like, well, which things are worse than those? Again? Sure. Sure. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But I don't mean to sound like I'm about to, uh, you know, plug Jordan Peterson or some shit. Jesus. 
Wait, is that, <laughs> is that a Jordan Peterson take? No, he just strikes me as one of those like uh, people, libertarian heroes, which is like not my thing. You know what I, I mean? Don't th- I think he's like very he? authoritarian. Or wait, uh, I mean, I think he would be. Man, I'm just guessing. I mean, now. same thing, dude. Secret Republican. You know what I mean? Like, but same. I mean, no, no. I think like somebody who would want to ban a bunch of stuff, which oh, we're just guessing what Jordan Peterson thinks. I don't know. I, I, I'm guessing he's not like, yeah, all drugs should be legal. <laughs> But maybe he is because he's also like super conservative and Christian and I, that doesn't oh. sort of jibe. Yeah, I don't, I don't know a lot about the guy. I only saw the, the funny, uh, the funny like you can't cancel me, liberals, like the funny supervillain speech he did. Yeah. And thought it was great. <laughs> you know, we'll I mean, see just, who gets the last laugh now. <laughs> and then. <laughs> right, right. And then just like the make your bed and clean your room stuff, which is like, OK, yeah, I mean, I guess that's not the worst advice, but like, why does it have to then lead to uh, <laughs> incel culture or whatever it does? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So it's weird because any, uh, yeah, I always get a little self-conscious when I have any crossover with any like, uh, you know what I mean? Like like uh, any like libertarian, like, like, yeah, I think more drugs should be legal, but I do not think the dating age should be lowered to 10. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, like anytime there's any crossover view, <laughs> I'm I just think, I get wary I, of myself. Yeah, you know, or like wary of I how it's taken. Be, I don't think you I should know? have to be in my own one man fire department either. I think there right, be. right, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like uh, I think I think the police uh, are uh, have way too much influence and control over society. Uh, but also maybe we shouldn't it shouldn't be a good thing to repeatedly shout the n-word in a supermarket you know (laughs) right right yeah i um yeah so it's like every now you know it's kind of like a bloke uh broken clock is right twice a day you know what i mean it's it's that kind of thing where i'm like yeah yeah more drugs cool you know Uh, so uh, (laughs) hey you you know you know what else what we do need in society at least for the moment what's What's that that? plastic oh Uh Guess, uh, which yeah. is currently very oil intensive uh, and and generally resource intensive. This story was sent in by a listener who has clarified that the long E is on the last name and not the first name. So this is Meg Hebing okay. and not me Hebing. Yeah, yeah okay. well, it's nice to have that confirmed. This story in fizz.org about a breakthrough for discovering carbon capture conversion for ethylene production. A team of researchers led by Minish Singh at the University of Illinois, Chicago, has discovered a way to convert 100% of carbon dioxide captured for industrial, from industrial exhaust into ethylene, which is a key building block for plastic products. While researchers have been exploring the possibility of converting carbon dioxide to ethylene for more than a decade, this team's approach is the first to achieve nearly 100% utilization of carbon dioxide to produce hydrocarbons. Their system uses electrolysis to transform captured CO2 gas into high-purity ethylene with other carbon-based fuels and oxygen as byproducts. The process can convert up to six metric tons of CO2 into one metric ton of ethylene, recycling almost all carbon dioxide captured. Because the system runs on electricity, the use of renewable energy can make the process carbon negative. And according to Singh, his team's approach surpasses the net zero carbon goal of other carbon capture and conversion techniques by actually reducing the total CO2 output from industry. It's a net negative, he said. For every one ton of ethylene produced, you're taking six tons of CO2 from point sources that would otherwise be released to the atmosphere. This is pretty cool. Yeah. 
previous attempts at converting CO2 into ethylene have relied on reactors that produce ethylene with, within the source carbon dioxide emission stream. In these cases, as little as 10% of CO2 emissions typically converts to ethylene. The ethylene must later be separated from the CO2 in an energy-intensive process, often involving fossil fuels. In their approach, an electric current is passed through a cell, half of which is filled with captured carbon dioxide, the other half with a water-based solution. An electrified catalyst draws hydrogen atoms from the water molecules into the other half of the unit separated by a membrane, where they combine with charged carbon atoms from the carbon dioxide molecules to form ethylene. I could have told them this. <coughs> Among manufactured chemicals worldwide, ethylene ranks third for carbon emissions after ammonia and cement. Ethylene is used not only to create plastic products for the packaging, agriculture, and automotive industries, but also to produce chemicals used in antifreeze, medical sterilizers, and vinyl siding for houses. So it's used for a lot. Ethylene is made usually in a process called steam cracking that relies in no- that requires enormous amounts of heat. Cracking generates about one and a half metric tons of carbon emissions per ton of ethylene created. On average, manufacturers produce 160 million tons of ethylene each year, so that results in more than 260 million tons of CO2 emissions. And in addition to ethylene, they, these scientists at UIC were able to produce other carbon-rich products useful to industry with their electrolysis approach. They also achieved a very high solar energy conversion efficiency, converting 10% of energy from the solar panels directly to carbon product output. This is well above the state-of-the-art standard of 2%. For all the ethylene they produced, the solar energy conversion efficiency was around 4%, approximately the same rate as photosynthesis. Holy shit, this is pretty cool. Damn. So Cell Reports Physical Science, if you want to read the full journal article. That's pretty amazing. Hmm. That's, I don't know, I guess, yeah, the the question is whether this can be used at a a proper level. This is, Meg says, this would be amazing if it could be scaled up. But yeah, if, we we do hear about a lot of these material breakthroughs and they sometimes just fade, you know, you just don't hear them again. But if this is something that can, it sounds like a sort of win-win for society, something that can get a load of CO2 out of the atmosphere and also produce something that we really need for a lot of different materials that's crazy and they're able to reach that same efficiency rate as photosynthesis yeah it's mm. uh first i'm hearing about steam cracking also obviously i'm familiar with crack steaming just to get the wrinkles out yeah right yeah, but... and also to help you know slightly shrink down the jade egg right yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you steam your crack yeah <laughs> wow uh, yeah, do, do not steam any of your cracks. That's uh, also a yeah. bad idea. So what was the philosophy behind that, the steaming? Uh, I think cleaning, because steam cleans things. But people don't realize mm. that not everything should be completely uh, devoid of any microbiota, right? I mean, sure, sure. especially that body part has to have a balance of uh, various... <laughs> Microflora and fauna. <laughs> That's the microfauna. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Tiny little Tiny, kangaroos. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Tiny giraffes. <laughs> yeah. Um wow. All right. All right. Uh if you if your vagina has tiny giraffes, you can send us an email. That's uh, probably science at gmail.com. And uh 
Of course, you can you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, guys, is that about do it for today? That sounds I like think it. it does, but I think we should do an extra story for the Patreon. Oh, absolutely, patrons. absolutely. I'm just I'm just talking. And we should these. also put out last episode's Patreon Patreon bonus. Oh, and they get a th- that's two for one. It's not out. I see. Okay, I will get on both of those things. Yeah. No, absolutely. No, I'm just talking to these cheapskates here. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. Obviously, we they we always we, we no we yeah we always save the really good stuff. But, um, yes, we, we should do that, but we should wrap up the main episode. As always, you can find us probablyscience.com. You can email us probablyscience at gmail.com. As Jesse mentioned, you can find us on Twitter at probablyscience, individually at Andy T. Wood, at Jesse Case, and at Matt Kirshen. Uh, any gigs coming up that people should know about, guys? No. No. Nah. Uh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be in New York next week, and I might be jumping on a couple of shows, but I uh, it's mostly for writing things, so I don't know if I'll have time to. But maybe I will pop up at the Comedy Cellar or somewhere somewhere nearby. If Butch Walker is playing in your city, I might be going there to watch him play because he's the best. That's where you can find me this fall. <laughs> <laughs> and listeners, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for bearing with the multiple interruptions, and we will see you next time. Bye bye.